Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On episode 18, I have Jeff Williams, and we discuss the company that he co-founded with his cousin called Be Nimble Ventures. We talk about the event that they have coming up, Disrupt Indy, as well as the tech ecosystems in Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and a few other places. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, rate and subscribe on iTunes today. Now let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. Today, I have Jeff Williams on the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Dana. Thank you for having me on the show. So excited to chat with you. What's up, everyone? Of course. <laughs> I guess I'm going to speak to the audience <laughs> a little bit, too. <laughs> so, Jeff, for those of who are listening who don't know who you are, introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do. Well, I'm Jeff. I'm just a kid from Indy. That's kind of how I position myself. I'm from uh, Indianapolis, 28, born and raised in Indianapolis, uh, spent my past five years or so um, as a national account and different account managers for uh, large uh, consumer goods and logistics companies. Um, went to Indiana University, studied business marketing and legal studies, and now I currently reside in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I've been here since uh, November of 2015. Well, you said that you're just a kid from Indy, but that's not true because <laughs> you had a awesome event called Disrupt Indy. Let's tell the listeners what Disrupt Indy is oh, exactly. Right. So Disrupt Indy was my cousin and I, business partner Kelly Jones. That was our staff at dressing and bridging the gap in uh, technology in Indianapolis and in the Midwest region. As you may know, and some of the listeners may know, there's been a huge push to focus on building uh, tech ecosystems that are inclusive, not only in San Francisco, the Valley, but then also, you know, across the nation, especially where you're going to see a lot of growth and investment from other tech companies. Here in Indianapolis, what's unique to us, 2015, Salesforce decided that they wanted to set up shop in Indianapolis. And when they set up shop, not only did they bring 800 jobs, but they rebranded the city. What was our once our largest organ or building downtown? It was the Chase Building. It's now the Salesforce Building. So with that, you know, they had acquired a huge uh, marketing platform that was uh, based out of Indy called uh, Exact Target. And when a tech company that large comes, of course, you know, VCs are going to start coming around, and you're going to see a lot of different startups that kind of build out to support. Uh, that infrastructure or, or the new investment. So, you know, not only do we have Salesforce there, but we also have Chronos, we've got uh, Infosys, Genesis, a few other cool organizations that are investing a lot of time, energy, and finance into um, Indianapolis. And with that, Indianapolis, not only will they be adopting or adapting to the new tech culture from a you know, landscape or economic landscape, but we also, and what we're finding is it was also taking on some of the challenges that the tech community faces as it pertains to diversity and inclusion. So considering there was a need there, 
And uh, we had our unique passions about, you know, our, our hometown, but then also about what it means to be inclusive in tech. We decided to, you know, who better than us, you know, to, to help bridge that divide. So uh, Disrupt Indy was our first bout at it. Um, as we built out uh, Be Nimble Co., which is going to bridge the gap in technology within our community. But uh, what we decided to do was to, you know, put all the decision makers in one, in one place at one time and address those issues with diversity and inclusion and figure out best practices and ways for us to make meaningful changes and, and processes, putting best practices in place to address it uh, long term as, as we prime ourselves to be the Midwest hub for technology. Great. And you said a lot there. So there's a couple of points I want to go back and kind of go over a little bit. So you and your cousin Kelly are part of Be Nimble Co. So what exactly does your organization do? So, I mean, we really, this is, is this is a new uh, venture for us. And I think if I could summarize it in short, what we are there to do is to help accelerate um, inclusion in technology, whether that's uh, you know, minority founders, if it's workplace development, um, bridging the gap with uh, the K-12 pipeline, and then also helping connect, uh, you know, local talent with organizations that are inclusive within the technological space here in Indianapolis or in Indianapolis and in the Midwest. Awesome. So obviously, from your conversation, what you said so far, you do see that there is a gap in tech, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, there's a gap. And I think we've talked about it often, you know, from a national perspective and, you know, within behind closed doors. And uh, I think we've identified the problem and I think we kind of know, or, or at least we're all headed in the right direction with respect to solving it. Uh, it's just focusing the conversation more so along the lines of what that actually looks like in practice. Because over the past years, you know, once this thing started to emerge, we still identified that our progress has been slow. Uh, we're moving in the right direction, but it hasn't been accelerated. So when you think about what, uh, you know, technology represents, you would just think we would be a little further along than what we were. Now, with respect to Indianapolis now, we're an emerging tech hub. We have an opportunity to address that need and get in front of it. So that's what we're trying to accomplish here. So what strategies or steps can be taken in order for to close that diversity gap? I think most uh, right now what we're finding out, you know, is a three-pronged approach. Number one is attracting and retaining diverse talent and uh, making their environments inclusive with respect to the technology, with respect to the workplace culture. Uh, so that's folks who are interested maybe not in being a founder, right, or they're not even interested. Their past education is, all right, I'm ready now to be involved and I would love to explore opportunities here. but I would like to work in an environment that, you know, embraces me where I'm at. Then you have the work, then you have the pipeline, of course, which is folk developing practices and also different programs to encourage and educate our youth and about the opportunities that exist in technology. And then lastly, of course, it's a lot of folks just like yourself. I mean, you started this podcast and it's tech-focused. It's providing uh, exposure and highlighting those individuals who are looking to take an entrepreneurial approach to technology or or, or uh, within the tech the tech space and for helping ensure and gather resources to support 
them in their endeavors. Another thing that you mentioned about Indy and the companies that came to Indy, you mentioned that they are connected to the tech companies are kind of connected in a way to HBCUs. So are you familiar with what they're doing exactly and what programs they have for HBCUs? Yeah, so, you know, Salesforce is making a concerted effort uh, with, with Ballforce right now to, to, make a, to get a presence felt on, uh, you know, college campuses through, through their recruitment. But there weren't any necessary, like, major programs outside, you know, just the initial stuff that, that we're seeing right now with HBCUs. I know uh, there are a couple uh, organizations that are doing some cool things with, with, um, with Howard, and I, would, and I would like to see those things implemented in Indianapolis, though. With uh, you know, with some of the other tech companies for sure. Was that Google or or Microsoft that has the? Well, I think it's Google, right? That has the you know the the Google campus for Howard. Right, that's Google. Yep. So you do you think Salesforce will do something similar to that? Does it seem like they're leaning in that direction? I think you know, considering I don't work for them, I don't want to you know just put that out there or anything. But I definitely think that right um, find it for sure. Uh, you know, there it was definitely the talk. You know, um, you know, even at our conference about different ways that they can connect with diverse talent. So organizations like that, I'm really excited for because, and I wanted to see them be successful because they're taking a genuine approach to to, to building out inclusive communities and an inclusive uh, tech community. So it wouldn't surprise me if they if they build out strategic partnerships like that in the future. Great, and I hope they do because they need it. And I think a major thing that major companies are ignoring is there's so many different people who are willing to partner with them via HBCUs, via different organizations who have those connections and relationships with both colors. And it's like, if you just made that connection, the pipeline could be completely different, but you have to be open-minded to actually do that for it to actually happen. Oh my gosh. Look, you just said a word. It, it's so funny. Like, there are just like even the way in which we engage with each other is different. You know the fact that, and I would be hard pressed to identify or if there are organized or community digital communities like a you know NDYBP or a CYBP in Chicago. You know these groupies where we're engaging at that level. Um, you know on on a regular basis. There's a thirst to connect with people who are who have and foster inclusive environments, and the way in which we're engaging to figure out ways to connect or to connect with them is just different, right? So that's the reason why you can leverage a Slack and we can post a job in Slack, and they may, you know, it might be like an oyster, you know, or it might be like a jewel, a hidden jewel for an organization that's looking to, you know, hire diverse talent uh, because a lot of us are connecting and connecting with each other. But if you rely solely on the on the referrals or or the or the um, you know mundane processes that you've always used, it's going to be hard to you know to to bridge that gap. Because I'll tell you right now, uh, it's it's easy to find you know diverse talent with respect to entry level roles, but when you start talking about you know mid to senior level organizations, a lot of that's going to probably come from other companies. You know, so with that, you have to be very strategic and are creative with how you connect with us. Right. And I think a lot of people, like you said, they don't realize everyone communicates in a different way. So I'm glad you brought up that point that there's different methods and different, I guess you would say, different streams of how you communicate with us. And it's time that they actually sat down, do the research and start trying to implement that into their recruiting plans. One thing you mentioned, and I know that we always, we being people of color, minorities who are in tech, we always mention making sure that a space is inclusive and making sure that we feel welcome. But what does that look like exactly? 
I know from my standpoint, it would be a little helpful if when you walked into an office, there was someone that actually maybe kind of looked like you or understood where you were coming from in a daily perspective. For instance, it's easy for some people who have kids, they can all relate to each other. But what's something from your perspective makes a space look inclusive, especially for people of color in the tech industry? Well, number one, I know my historically speaking, when I go to these corporate events, you know, they're always awesome. Like I, I have a good time, but it's always elephant in a room, especially when they start playing music, for example. <laughs> it's not music that I typically listen to. Um, so it's like I'm having and I'm finding myself having to make that adjustment. I like to hear a little Migos every now and then, right, you know, to right, go along right. with that Taylor Swift. You know, it, it's it's those small little things that are indicative of trying to be inclusive. It's, if you have ERGs and they're putting on events, you know, that's geared towards being inclusive for or, or creating this space for minorities and people of color, I would actually love to see those that are not minorities, like white guys, I would like to see them showing up, you know, to learn more about our culture as well, because I think it's a two-way street. So wherever there's an opportunity to, to highlight our culture, now I think that there's an opportunity for it to be more, to make it more inclusive. So that, I guess that's one one example, music. <laughs> music at the corporate event. <laughs> that's a funny example, I know, right? But I mean, I, I, I mean, just even thinking sense. about the way in which we, yeah, yeah, cause it can be that simple. I, I think we're overthinking it, right? Sometimes mm. I, I just think that we're overthinking mm. it. it. I mean, at the end of the day, where people are people, we have different different needs and different perspectives. Um, but it's ensuring that, you know, we're heard as well and we're not feeling like we're being more marginalized for speaking up about it. It's even the way in which we engage in, in politics or what's on the television when you walk in the lunchroom. Like, does it really have to be on Fox? <laughs> right. <laughs> those, that's, those, those are some really good examples. And one thing that I want to <laughs> ask you, especially from the Disrupt Indie Conference and different experiences that you've had. So you were talking about ERG groups and, you know, different groups that are more so geared to people of color. Do you ever find the experience that outside races do attend these events? Well, you know, talking casually, I think Salesforce has done a great job, you know, with Bold Force and that movement that's happening. You know, they're one of our key partners. Love the people at Bold Force. But I think they're having success, right, by by leveraging folks that are, you know, not necessarily within that community and bringing them on to educate them with respect to, um, you know, what it means to be, you know, a minority or underrepresented within the workplace and getting them to participate at their events and, you know, and even also supporting other events that they support. And a great example of that is Disrupt Indie, you know. Um, it wasn't just Bold Force that was in the building with us. It was, you know, it was, it was Salesforce in general. They brought themselves, you know. We also saw James LaDuca, who is the global um, inclusion director, and he's also the executive sponsor for their LGBTQ resource group, and he was one of the speakers at our conference. You know, so what they're looking at, I'm, I'm thinking they're building communities that are centered around making inclusive for everyone, then getting everyone to be active participants in the growth, you know. But if we're underrepresented and we're the only people there that's part of the solution or are talking about the solution, then we're already down seven. It's going to be difficult to, to, to change the environment. Right. And actually, let's switch gears and talk about switching the environment. So you're obviously from Indy. And I would say, what, about five years ago, Indy wasn't really 
a city that you were thinking about when you, you were talking about the tech industry, right? All right, for sure. Say so, indie. So you have Salesforce come in, and that's influencing other tech companies to start coming in and startups to be made. How have you seen the change between, I guess you would call it the old indie, and then what the indie you see now with? Oh, great question. Uh, you know, what I would say, number one, aside from the social uh, scene, I think what you're finding out is Indianapolis has done a great job in most of the past five years of making the you know the tech scene and the business culture of Indy um, inclusive, inclusive of women. Um, the Startup Ladies and there are a few other organizations that, you know, even partner with us in Disrupt Indy that um, have been installed and they've been getting support from the overall business community. We've got different investments from uh, the public uh, sector as well, investing in uh, women in leadership. And what you're finding is we're bridging that gap with respect to uh, women in the business scene. And then, of course, something else that you'll find that with tech comes a lot of um, open minds with respect to reimagining the social scene. A lot of the foodie culture has changed. And, you know, I'm, I have a theory that where there's tech and where there are, you know, ideas, you'll find that social social experiences are being enhanced as well. So we've also, while we've seen an emergence and an explosion within the tech scene, we're also starting to see more social opportunities that are, are coming about as well as restaurants. You know, we're Indianapolis is priming itself to be also like a foodie, foodie culture, a foodie town. We like that too. <laughs> Interesting though that, you see not even just the tech changes, but also, like you said, the the food is changing. It sounds like the culture is changing a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that culture change is definitely, I mean, it makes sense if you're there. People who are investing or who are part of the tech scene, you know, transient, that means that there's a growth in the, in the transplant culture. People are moving back to the Midwest. They're moving to Indianapolis to work for these companies and these corporations or start their own because they're hearing that, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice place to get started. So with that in mind comes new perspectives and new ideas. And again, that's just another proponent or, or value, value add that comes with being a diverse place. So you talked about people moving back to the Midwest. Would you, or do you plan to move back? I think it, I think there's going to come a time where I'm either going to have to move back to the Midwest or be similar or fake bi-coastal. <laughs> and when you say bi-coastal, because of <laughs> both of the cities, Dallas and Indy, are landlocked. Uh, I love Indy. You know, I do a lot of things with Indy, even outside of, you know, uh, Be Nimble, manage a digital community for Indy Young Black Professionals, as well as a newsletter where we're actually highlighting and exposing the various narratives of people of color within the Indianapolis community. So there's always going to be a love there. I think long-term, there's an opportunity for me to move back uh, but it's hard considering I really love Dallas and I'm seeing a lot of those things that I loved about Indy and I see the opportunity. It's also present in Dallas. And um, also there's there's um, opportunities, that, the same challenges that I can address in Indianapolis or I'm passionate about addressing in Indianapolis are quite present here in Dallas, Texas as well. Have you started getting involved with the Dallas tech scene? Up front, it was from a social perspective, just, you know, understanding how people like me are maneuvering around the city. And you find that it's definitely a place 
uh, where everyone's excited and looking to get their piece of this growth. And uh, through that, it's opened up doors for me to get in contact with the business community. They're just now starting to, uh, you know, place more emphasis on technology. And I think it's a great time to have these discussions here in Dallas. And with, if you think about the sports culture here, you've got Jerry Jones, one of the most powerful uh, professional sports organizations or owners in professional sports. Mm -hmm. He's here. And uh, what you're finding is, you know, with investment from Toyota and the NFL through uh, Dallas, plus some of the other organizations like RealPage, who just is a tech a software, a real estate software uh, company, they're investing here heavily as well. People are starting to think about it. And I think it's fun, especially when you talk about sports with the Cowboys. You've got Blue Star here, which is an organization focused on, uh, you know, automating you know, youth sports and amateur sports. So it's a fun time. We're starting to have those disrupt this, disrupt that, co-work here, pull up here. You know, it's starting to happen, so it's a good time to be here as well up on the tech space. So I'm starting to get my, my feet wet a little down here. So I know Austin is like, obviously, South by Southwest is there. So it's a huge, what I would call a tech town. because Heck yeah. So I'm trying to get a feel for Dallas. I'm not sure if I... So it sounds like Dallas is kind of like almost what Indy was a few years ago. It's just starting up in the tech industry, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So everyone's just kind of starting out. There's a little bit of tech involved, but it's more like meetups and trying to figure out who's doing what right now. Yeah, especially when you think about the communities that, you know, uh, the, the different types of communities that exist within the tech space. But overall, uh, it, it's always been, been said that a lot of the money or the investment that's uh, going into the startups within Austin, they're getting that pull from the private equity firms and the, you know, investors in, in in Dallas. So it's kind of been there. I think just now we're trying to get in front of it or the culture is trying to get in front of it, kind of keep those things here, especially as our city or as Dallas expands, um, you know, the metropolitan area is expanding and they're building up different hubs. But when you think about it, AT&T has a huge uh, presence here. Verizon does as well. So it's a lot of nuances and, and inter- intersections within technology that's already here to support you know, telecommunication here in Dallas and also finance. It's a huge segment of, of fintech here. And I actually used to you know, work directly with one of those companies that supported it. So no, it's been pretty cool here. But like you're saying, it's not as mature and developed as it is in Austin for sure. Got it. I want to lead into more about what you do and how you got into the tech industry. So currently, you said you're an account manager. How uh-huh. did you get into Be Nimble and Disrupt Indie? What made you switch focus and start helping out with diversity in tech? Great question. I think it actually started started in 2015. Um, I was leaving Indy, actually, uh, or leaving Cincinnati. I started out in Cincinnati, my corporate or professional career. Man, I did a little stint in Indy before I moved to Dallas as I was working to, you know, transition into Dallas. And um, one of the things that I saw, you know, just from being connected from a national perspective, different friends in different cities, I saw how technology was helping bring, you know, our community together. And I saw a need as transplants were starting to come to Indianapolis at a faster pace. Young black professionals were moving there, and I could only imagine how on an island they were because they don't really know much about Indy, and then you've got Chicago just right there. So, you know, it's, it, might, it would be very easy to not know how to connect with people like you 
in a city like Indianapolis, though it's big and it has its cool, cool spots. Um, so, you know, what I did, you know, of course, like anyone else, um, you know, my thought was, well, I need to start a group me. <laughs> let's, let's start a group me to at least, you know, it's kind of see who's out there, ask a couple of people, you know, how many, how many young black professionals do you think are in Indianapolis? I had friends that are living there that were throwing out numbers like 250, 500 people. I'm like, no way. We've got Eli Lilly, Salesforce, Zach Target, Kronos. We've got, you know, um, Rolls Royce is here. It's got to be more than that because they all have programs, different HBCUs and other organizations across the, the nation. So um, I went ahead and started the group me. And, uh, you know, I had a theory that we could, you know, there were at least a thousand who, you know, were millennials that were, that were in the area between the ages of 25 and 32 that were be actively engaged, you know, so it was my goal to see if I can get a thousand people on their one platform. Well, uh, within two days of starting the group, me, we had over 450 folks in there and it just got out of hand. You know how groupies are. Uh, wow. <laughs> you get, you get into a groupie with a lot of professionals. <laughs> There's no way. Everybody's turning their notifications off. You can't even keep up with how many people are messaging because it's just endless. Like, Everyone's always typing exactly. something. Right. And it's never on pace. Like, how do you keep up? I'm like, what the heck? Right. You know, and it's funny, right. you know, because at, at that time, I actually had, uh, you know, left my job. I was working as a manager of international sales for uh, DHL Express. And, you know, I was just really looking to figure out ways to, you know, make an impact. And, you know, that was one of my first bouts. So I really had some time on my hands to, you know, really think things through. So um, we did that, and I'd say day four, everyone's still excited, and it's still growing. I think we got up to, like I said, around 450, and I said, um, there's this app called Slack that I heard about, you know, and uh, I was a part of Travel New Or, and I was like, let's start. Let's transition everybody over to Slack. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do that was because I saw I needed a place to organize the dialogue we were having. Some people wanted to talk about sports. Others wanted to talk about career changes. Others wanted to talk about natural hair. I wanted to have those conversations. I wanted to do it where where people didn't have to feel like they had to scroll forever. <laughs> so um, I spent the next 10 days inviting people, like, one by one. Oh, my gosh, one by one into Slack. So we closed the group me. Um, and today I think we have over 1,200 people in the group me, and we have various channels, and they're based off of interests. And I think just my experience with Slack and transitioning folks into Slack and seeing how, how meaningful the dialogue, but then also behind that dialogue, the data, how valuable the data was within us, Slack, and our engagement. Um, so you couple that with, um, you know, the Nielsen reports that were coming out about, like, African-American consumers. And I just grew a huge fascination for what technology could potentially do. Um, people were relying on Slack to get new jobs. and. People were being hired just based off of referrals within Slack community. So I knew I within the Slack community. So I knew we had something. From there, I just started researching a lot about technology and boom, boom, boom. And here I am trying to make sure that, you know, the spaces are inclusive. But it's pretty honest like that. I love that you made a Slack group and that's how people are doing referrals. It's recently more so more groups are being created and connecting. And that's helping to bring inclusiveness into tech is we're finding different methods to actually connect and help each other out. So I think that's so dope that you made this, made a Slack group and invited everyone one by one. But, you know, everybody's in there now. 
Yeah, everybody's in there. You know, I paid for it those couple of days. I mean, I, you know, I was pretty excited, too, because the numbers were growing, uh, you know. Um, but, of course, you know, it's social, too. But, you know, you have those opportunities to connect in meaningful ways um, that can bring value to those individuals based off of what they liked. And I thought it was just important to, you know, to, to do that. But you're right. I mean, that that's essentially what technology is about even, right? It, it's figuring out ways to make people's lives a little better um, and the world a little better. So uh, leveraging that for the good can't help with that wanted to continue with that momentum. Now, do you still have the group? Can people be added to that group? Yeah, so this one specifically is NDYBP. Yeah, people can be added. Um, It's specifically for those that are living or are still connected in some way to Indianapolis. You'll find that some of the cities, surrounding cities are, you know, are are involved, like the Muncie's, the Bloomington's, the Fort Wayne's. Like, there are people who are, you know, satellite indie folks that are still you know, in the community. And then, of course, those who are looking to, you know, it's kind of a place where you go or if you have a friend in Indy or you're looking to figure out, you know, is it a place to to move or maybe you're interviewing or about to transition into Indy, then you're connecting in there even if you haven't, you're not there yet. So, but yeah, it's still active, still active and popping. And (laughs) and tell, so then tell my listeners how they can get added to the group. Absolutely. So, uh, if you want to get added to the group, it, it's two it's two critical ways. As you know, like Slack, it's, it's typically it's email invites only since it was made for our business communication. But you can email me at jeff at benimbleco.com, and I'll be sure to add you. Or you can follow us um, via fromnapwithlove.com, and you can uh, sign up to be a part of our indie uh, popping young black professionals community, and then we'll be sure to add you and, uh, you know, finesse you into the Slack community as well. <laughs> now, question. So in 2015, you said you were in Cincinnati. Did you get involved in the tech scene at all while you were there? Not at all. And it's crazy because you have Rodney Williams, like he's one of the hottest names, you know, in tech that, you know, had, uh, you know, who's over listener. Yeah, so, like, I mean, he was based out of Cincy. Indirectly, we were connected. We've got some, some uh, you know, friends that were there, and I heard about it. You know, I'm chasing down. Um, they they launched um, J. Cole's album through through his platform, and you could, like, connect and find the listening party, and it was such a cool experience. But that at that moment, I wasn't, you know, fully invested within the tech community. But, you know, it's just cool to see that it was actually happening there while I was there and it's cool to see exactly what's happening now within that, you know, within that place. Um, so, but yeah, Cincinnati is an, another awesome spot, you know, for tech. Uh, they've got a small startup community that that's emerging as well. Yeah, they're growing. I actually grew up in Cleveland, so Cincinnati is not too far. I know there's a lot of companies that are doing like startup programs there and Ohio's actually investing a lot of money into the tech scene, specifically in the Cincinnati area. So. Also, for my listeners who don't know who Rodney Williams is, do you want to give him an intro and a shout-out to what he does? He is disrupting technology and how we engage and connect with advertisement, uh, music, uh, stadiums. It's like the Internet of Things or steroids. Uh, Rodney, listener is L-I-S-N-R. And I think all of his tags are under Rodney Williams because he's definitely like the, a name, you know, like the Tristan Walkers and the Morgan the Bonds of the world. So definitely follow him. 
Oh, and one thing I wanted to touch on was because you have Bloom Project geared and more focused towards um, black males. Do you ever feel like yeah. because, you know, we have Black Girls Code, there's a different couple different girl coding organizations for young girls. Do you ever feel like we forget about young black males or even just minority black males when it comes to the tech industry and teaching them skills? I think so. I think I think the conversation gets lost because what's dominating in the media is really, you know, that whole school to prison pipeline. I think we're focused a lot on that. I think and just uncovering those things and just making sure that they can get from high school to college in general. I think we're a little behind there. And I think with that, it may seem like it's being lost. I don't think anyone's making decisions, you know, without considering them. I just think that uh, when you think about how the challenges, the unique challenges that we have, um, that sometimes it's just not prioritized. But with organizations like Bloom Project that is making concerted effort within the community, you've got the 100 black men and a few other organizations where we have existing infrastructure in place that can support this need, I think it's important for us to maximize it and if maximize it. And if it's when it's successful, then it'll make it easier for us to have those conversations because we're gonna start seeing those those changes and we're gonna highlight them. And shout out to Black Girls Code, the next IT girl or the next it girl. Um, it's uh, actually based out of Indianapolis as well. It's pretty much trying to tackle the same challenges as, you know, Tech Kings will with Bloom Project. So it's definitely important that we not, you know, dim that light, but continue to, you know, support those existing organizations that are focused on black women and partner when we can um, across the board. Yes. And I like, though, that there is something for young men to also look forward to. And I hope to see more organizations either just focus and include young gentlemen or just more organizations like Bloom Project pop up. So hopefully that will happen in the near future. So our conversation is coming to an end. But I must ask, what do you see for the future in regards to Disrupt Envy? And what lessons also did you learn while putting on this tech conference? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say one one key thing about Disrupt Indie moving forward. I don't think it's just going to be an annual conference. It's going to be you're going to see uh, you know pop up events throughout the year. I think the conversation needs to continue and be had on a rolling basis. And if we're relying solely on you know an annual conference or annual conferences, then we're already behind. So look out to see more events that that are are focused on technology from a workplace development perspective, uh, from K-12, and then also uh, with uh, entrepreneurship support uh, coming from Disrupt Indie and Be Nimble. You know, on the horizon right now, we're developing out um, curriculum, working with uh, some of the local tech community partners to, to create, or we created a, a brief survey of technology for a nonprofit that is geared towards black and brown uh, boys ages 12 through 18, um, and it's called Tech Kings. So the well, Bloom Project is the organization, and Tech Kings is the name of the program in which we'll be, uh, you know, giving them a an exploratory, um, you know, segment or, or, or introduction into, into technology and the opportunity that exists. So uh, that starts next month in October, and on a monthly basis we'll be doing workshops um, that, that give them different pieces um, that touch on different pieces of uh, technology. And what was the name of the organization again? Bloom Project. Bloom Project, Inc. 
And you can find them at bloomprojectinc.org. Uh, this is the pilot year of the program. In fact, uh, we uh, we did the uh, to, to to get this program started. We actually did a fundraising gala back in February called Party Gras. Took the city by storm. Um, that's really how we really got connected with Kelly and I. Really got connected with the with the local tech community. They really were excited to partner and learn how we were looking to raise funds and, and exposure to to youth, underprivileged youth, and technology. Um, that's how the relationships with the, you know the sales forces and the 1150 Academy actually started. We saw over 500 people show up um, and, and show their support, raised over $40,000 for the organization Bloom Project. And, of course, those proceeds all went to, to help develop out this program. And then, so in regards to Be Nimble Co., what do you see happening in the future? Is that kind of the, you guys have the same goals? or? Absolutely. I think our, our, our goals are, are pretty much cut and, cut and dry. Uh, Kelly and I are really focused on helping, uh, you know, be the broker uh, of change within the diversity um, and inclusive, inclusion space in the tech space in Indianapolis. So uh, we'll be focusing more of our efforts on uh, workplace development, building out strategic partnerships to uh, help fund a lot of the local organizations that you'll see uh, coming out of Indianapolis here soon uh, that are that have diverse founders. And then also, of course, developing our programs such as uh, Tech Kings. And then lastly, of course, connecting organizations with diverse talent. So those three things are going to remain the same. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna ride and be and be open to to being nimble and flexible <laughs> as it pertains to the way in which we go about those. Thanks for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find me on Instagram at at Dina D E E N A underscore M C K A Y, or follow the podcast on Instagram at Black Tech Unplugged, all one word. And if you haven't already, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It would help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Until next time.